Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. In Philippians chapter 8, 4, verse 8 and 9, we talked about this last week, where Paul gives us instructions. How many of you know the Bible says line upon line, rule upon rule, step by step, putting one step in front of the other? Well, Paul, in verse 7 or verse 8, he talks about think upon whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is holy, whatever is pleasing, all these things he talks about us to think about. Then he goes into verse 9, he says, then put into practice those things in which you have heard and learned. How many you know, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put feet under your faith, it's not going to do anything. You'll never know how strong your faith is if you never walk it out. So you got to put action under your faith. you got to walk it out. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Don't be one that lets it go in one ear and out the other. So in saying that, last week we talked about the three processes to put into practice. Number one was thought. And you have this on your notes, the thought. Think about such things. We're in a series now called Mind Games. Let me ask you, what are you thinking about? Where's your thoughts going? Are your thoughts good thoughts or bad thoughts? Think upon what things are true, whatever is noble, what is holy, whatever is pleasing. Think upon what things. Then, once you think upon what things, you put it into action. Action means put it into practice. I'm going to practice that which I'm learning, that what I'm experiencing in my life. I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to walk it out. You see, listen, God doesn't want talkers. God wants water walkers. You hear that? God doesn't want just talkers. He wants water walkers. Those that will walk it out, that's what he's asking us to do. Walking by faith and not by sight. God, I don't want to just be a talker because talk is cheap, but action is deep. I don't want to just be a talker. I want to be a water walker. You know, you, people criticize Peter when he walked on water because he sank. But hey, guess what? He got out of the boat. And sometimes what we need to do is get out of our boat and start walking and doing what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to do is walk out his word, put into practice that what he gives us. And then if you put think upon these things and you walk it out, then the third thing I love is you will experience this. You will experience the peace of God with you. You have to think about it. You have to walk it out. And when you apply these things to your life, then you're going to experience the peace. I don't know about you, but how many want peace in your life right now? Right now, I, I want peace. I, I don't know about you, but all around you, there's storms. Everywhere you go, you don't even go outside. You can see there's struggles going on all around us. But I want peace. And you know where peace starts? It starts in your mind. That God, give me peace in my mind. Because this, you have your notes. The question you must ask yourself, the question you must ask yourself, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you. Do you like the direction? Your life will follow your thoughts. So where are your thoughts taking you? Are they taking you down a dead end or are they leading you to life and life more abundantly? Your life will always follow your thoughts. So listen, if no, if no, if you don't like your thoughts, if no, then decide to change your mind. So God can change 
your life. I always say change isn't changed until it's changed. You see, we can say we want to be changed, but if you're not changed, here's how you know if you're not changed. If you continue to go around that same tree, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, and you're not making any strides to do anything different, that's called not changing. If you want change in your life, you have to break out of that circle of life. You have to break out of that pattern and say, God, I'm going to go against the flow, and I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to take this challenge on to make a change in my thinking, in my thoughts, and in my life. And when you change your outlook and when you change your mindset, that's when God can rearrange your life and bring joy to your life. I love this. The life we have reflects what we think. If we don't like it, then change it. You know, a lot of times what you think is what you become. What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. And where you go right now in your life is where you become. You know, this coming Thursday, I hate to say this, but this coming Thursday, I have to go into the city. And I don't know what's going on. Or man, if, you're, if your eyes are not open right now to what's happening in our society, what's happening in our world, and people being taken and their lives being lost and all what's going on around you, Here's a prime example. Your life reflects what's inside of you. Eight years ago, I led a gentleman to the Lord. His name was Ray. And once I led Ray to the Lord, Ray went with me to Guatemala. In our church there, we built an orphanage in Guatemala. And Ray and I became really close friends. We were very, very close friends. He called me the other day, and he was crying on the other line, at the other end of the line. He's crying. He said, Pastor CJ, Pastor CJ, do you remember me? And I said, of course I do, even though I haven't seen him in a while because I'm now here and he's in the cities. He said, do you remember me? I said, yes, I do. I remember. He said, well, Pastor CJ, he said, I'm calling you because I need a favor from you. I said, what's that? And he said, well, you know my daughter. And he named her. And I said, yes, I do. 27 years old. Your life will follow your thoughts. She got so deep in her thoughts and she hit a dead end in the dark road in her thoughts that her thoughts led her to taking her life. You see, listen, folks, your life reflects what you think. And if you don't like it, you need to change it. So let me ask you, what road are you going on right now or going down that you need to get off that road and you need to derail yourself and make an about face and say, I don't like this where I'm going because my life is following my thoughts and my thoughts are leading me to a pit. And my thoughts are leading me to something that's not great. You're th- you're, you change your thoughts. Now get this. You change your thoughts and your life by confronting it and not running from it. You know why we don't confront our thoughts? Because our thoughts a lot of times overpower us. And here's how our thoughts overpower us. Whenever you want to change your circumstances, your thought, or maybe your lifestyle, all of a sudden your thoughts start to roar at you. And you know what they start to tell you? You'll never make it. You tried this before. Why do you think you're going to do anything different now? Or your thoughts try to intimidate you. I'm stronger than you are. You're never going to make it. You're doomed. You're going under. They're not going to accept you. They're not going to believe you. They're not going to love you. So your thoughts start to make an argument with you until eventually you say, you're right, and you quit. You have to confront your thoughts and go at your thoughts and face them head on and say, I'm not going to allow them to intimidate me, stop me, and hold me back from what God has in store for me. You have to confront 
your thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through five, four and 5, Paul's speaking to the church of Corinth, and he's giving them instructions. The instructions he's giving them is to be alert and in season. And how many know that we need to be alert in our mind and our thoughts, right? Because the enemy attacks right here. He loves to attack our mind. Have you ever noticed when you talk about putting on the full armor of God, he doesn't just say put on the belt of truth and shod your feet and the breastplate of righteousness. What he says, put on the helmet of salvation. In other words, that's the guard of your heart and your mind and your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and all those things. Put on the helmet of salvation to guard yourself against the wiles of the enemy. But then after he says that, he says in verse 19 or verse 18, he says, then pray and be alert in all occasions. In other words, be alert, be in season and out of season. Be alert to the attacks that come against you. And what happens in our lives, we don't come against with guns and machine guns or cannons or tanks. What happens is we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war. And where the enemy wages war at you the most, and first and foremost, his first primary attack is in your mind. Because if he can make you believe a lie and make you believe confusion, you're going to be going down a dead end instead of leading to the path of righteousness. And so Paul is saying here, in 2 Corinthians, he says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. They're not weapons of the world. That's, you know, I just bought a, a Glock the other day. Man, I got my conceal and carry, and eventually you're going to come up, pat me on the side, you're going to say, hey. Say, I'm the man now, huh? Right? Amen. My wife and I took the class, and I passed, by the way, too, by the way. Hey, I've been taking the test since college, praise the Lord. I just gave Adam and Marissa their, their wedding tests. I, I, I can't wait to see if they pass. Amen? You got that bad boy. Look at she's over there smiling. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? A test. And, you know, here's the deal. What happens is a lot of times we, we, we uh, get tested, and we're not being tested by physical sense or a gun or a martyr or this or that. But listen, on the contrary, he says, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what is he saying? He's saying that what's happened is he comes against us spiritually. The enemy, if he could come against you spiritually and make you doubt your God and make you doubt your faith and question what God's word says, guess what? He whittles at you, and eventually you walk away from the truth or the power source or the strength in your life. And so he comes against you, and how he does that? In mind. And then he goes on to verse 5. Watch this. He says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Why do you think Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God? Because what does the enemy love to do? He loves against to come against the truth, God's word. So he wants to always make you, challenge you. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe that? Do you believe that promise is for you? Do you really understand that? Do you really believe that word is relevant for today? He wants to have you have a mind game or an argument in your mind as back and forth, being like a teeter-totter pulled one way or the other to make you lose faith. And you know what happens? If you're always pulling up your root foundation and planting it over here and planting it over there, eventually you're going to die. And eventually what the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to pull up your root system and keep going over here and going over there. I always say you got to bloom where you plant it, and you bloom in the Word of God and God's truth, and God's truth will set you free. And through that, you start producing fruit and good fruit in your life. Stop being uprooted by the lies and the deception of the enemy. Somebody say amen. And he goes on to say, he says, and we take captive 
every thought to make it an obedient to Christ. Captive means to confine it, to control it, to hold it and not let it grow. What you feed is going to grow. What you starve is going to die. And you got to confine it. you got to hold it back. you got to resist from allowing that thing to turn in from an anthill into a mountain. And so many times what we want to do is we want it to grow, and we want to meditate on that. But he says a stronghold. Have you ever thought about that? A stronghold. A stronghold is a false premise that denies God's promises. It's a false premise. It'll, it'll deny God's promises. It'll always, always confront you with, man, challenging you against God's promises. And God's promises are yes and amen. They are true. They are life. They are life-giving. They bring hope to you. And the enemy always wants to, to defy God's promises. He always wants to dismiss them and always make you question, do you really believe that? That's not for you. That's for someone else. And he always sets up these premises that it denies God's promises. Another one is this, a stronghold magnifies the problem. Is that exactly what it is? It magnifies the problem. It makes things bigger than it really is. It exaggerates. It blows things out of proportion. How many have taken little things and made it into big things? And the big things that we blew out of proportion never usually ever happened in the first place. But that's how the enemy works. And it blows things out of proportion. And it minimizes God's ability to solve it. You know what happens? It turns in from an anthill into a mountain that this thing becomes so enormous that you get overwhelmed by the pressures, the cares, the struggles, the stress of life, that eventually what happens, it minimizes God's ability to solve the problem that maybe you're going through in life. And all of a sudden you cave in to the intimidation or the stress or the pressure of that problem. And you give up and you give in and you say, I had enough. I love this. I love this. A stronghold that you, that you may have, is that you have believed a lie instead of God's truth. A stronghold that many of you right now may have have in your life is that you believe the lie. You believe the lie that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're this, you're not, and you're not qualified, you're not worthy, and so therefore you, you forfeited promotions and things in your life, and you gave up on things in your life. Therefore you believe the lie, and you made yourself status quo. Instead of being that A student, that best that God wants you to be, you settled for the D or the F. You settled for less instead of the best in your life because you believe the lie. And that's what happens a lot of times. A stronghold will make you think that you're not qualified or capable of becoming all what God called you to be. I love the next one. It says this. If a stronghold is in your mind, you will never experience. If you have a stronghold over your mind, you will never experience the good life that God has for you. The word stronghold means to fortify. In other words, what happens is whatever you think upon, it's going to start to grow. It's going to start to grow. It's going to become stronger and stronger until eventually it becomes overpowering for you. So a lot of times what happens with the stronghold, it magnifies itself, and all of a sudden it becomes this huge fortress that is so overwhelming that you just say, man, I can't even begin to take that on. A stronghold means it fortifies itself. The more you allow yourself to go dark in your mind, the more you allow yourself to go dark in your mind, the stronger the stronghold fortifies itself. In other words, it begins to grow. You ever notice where pictures are developed? Pictures are developed in the dark. 
Negatives are always developed in the dark. Whereas negativity developed in the darkness of your mind. And all of a sudden what happens, you start to develop these pictures that are not true in your life. And you start to develop things that bring you down, discourage you, and defeat you, that it puts you in park and you don't go anywhere in life because you all believe a lie. A stronghold starts with believing a lie. I love this. Every Each negative thought, each negative thought, is another brick building the wall of separation from God and his truth. Every time you do that, you're building a wall of separation from God and truth. I hear this all the time. Pastor, why is it that I can't hear God's voice? Why is it that I don't sense his presence? Why is it that I don't sense his spirit? Why? Because maybe you built this wall, and this wall is built of lies, untruth. It's built of deception, confusion, deceit, and eventually you know and I know of a wall separating between you and God. You're trying to yell through the wall just like a husband and wife trying to talk to each other when she's in the kitchen and you're in the bedroom and you're not hearing each other but you're assuming you know each other and then when you get back together when you meet each other in the kitchen you get into an argument because you really hadn't heard the conversation. And that's what happens with God. We build this wall, and this wall just builds and grows and grows, and it separates you from the sensitivity of God. And you wonder why you can't hear God. It's because God's trying to yell through the wall of the stronghold of the lies, deception, and confusion that you have received into your life. And we need to let it go. But it says in verse 5, to demolish the arguments. You ever think about that? Demolish the arguments. Your mind is like going through a tug of war, the argument, should I, shouldn't I? Got an argument always going on, man. I always find this to be true that people always are wrestling with arguments. I want to do this, but should I do this? I want to do that, should I do that? And we're always wrestling with these arguments in our mind. I've always find this to be true. True. How do you know if it's an argument, if it's not of God? If it's not of God, it won't discourage you, it won't depress you, it won't bring you down. If it's not of God, that's what that will do. But if it's, if it's of God, if it's of God, it will bring life, it will bring joy, it will inspire you, it will motivate you to go forward. I always find this to be true. If God, if it's from you, it's going to inspire me to go forward. But if it's not of you, it's going to discourage me, defeat me, bring me down. So I always have to weigh that by that barometer. God, if this is you, Lord, then it builds me energy. It gives me excitement. It inspires me to go forward. I love this. The mind is the battle. Uh, is the battle is where uh, the mind is where the battle is. The attack is real, and the devil's not playing. So don't you play. The devil never tires. Let me just remind you of that. He never tires. He's roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. You know, right now, he's roaming in this congregation. He's roaming in this congregation, and right now, you know what he's doing. He's roaming his congregation looking for the weakest one right now in this group. He's looking for the weakest one because you know what? You're being fed the truth. The truth will set you free. But there's right now one of you that's maybe doubting. And guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to find you out. He's trying to pounce on you. You know what he's trying to tell you? Do you really believe what Pastor CJ's saying? Do you really believe this is true? He's trying to come against you even right now as I speak because he never tires. And he's trying to bring you down and discourage you and defeat you. So that you can't receive because the word is truth and the truth will set you free. And the word is seeds and seeds will grow. And when they grow, they're going to produce fruit. And good fruit because it's truth. And the enemy doesn't want that. Listen, if you know who your attacker is, demolish it. Don't give it any life, thought, or time. Demolish it. Don't sit there and meditate on something that you know is not life-giving. 
if it's taking life from you and bringing discouragement and defeat from you, you need to discard that. And so many times what happens, we take a commercial and we make it into a motion picture. And so many times what we're doing is we're giving life to something that's bringing hurt or pain to our spirit and to our, our minds and our heart and our soul. And we need to let go of that and get rid of it. I love this. If you know your attacker, you will demolish it. When you feed it, it will grow. What you starve will die. What you feed will grow, but what you starve will die. In, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, he speaks in these words. And I love what Jesus is saying. He's saying, get rid of or discard of anything that's not producing fruit. Get rid of the, anything that's not producing fruit. So he says this, the axe is already at the root. If you notice what he's saying, at the root. In other words, you've got to get down deep and go to where the problem started and where it's really at. And if you don't get deep or get to the root, guess what? It's going to continue to live. It's going to continue to have life because it's got a root system. And out of that root system, he's still got nourishment and he's got the water and all the soil. It's going to spring up something of new life again. So you've got to get right to the root. You've got to get to where the problem started, where the cause came. And he says it's at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So in other words, what Jesus is saying, get rid of those things, cut it off at the root. Get rid of those things that are not producing fruit in your life. Only you know, only the man knows his heart better than the man himself. And you know what's producing fruit and what's not producing fruit. And what you're doing is in your life. And if you are chewing on rotten fruit, you don't I don't know about you, but I don't like biting into an apple that looks great on the outside but on the inside it's soft and mushy and brown. That's rotten fruit. And a lot of times that's what we're settling for. We're settling for rotten fruit and God said, listen, cut it off. Don't receive that. Don't accept that in your life. Get rid of it. I love this. Get to the root system. Get to the root system. Destroy it. Don't do the dandelion experience. I don't know about you, man. Hey, I mowed my lawn the other day. Go to the parsonage right now. I mowed that bad boy the other day. And the man, after I got the morning, I was proud. I could smell the fresh grass cut and everything. I got up the next morning. It's covered with dandelions. I thought, what the scoop? I mean, that, some of those dandelions, how can they grow that fast? Man, I cut it now. They're like that high. And I'm like, what happened? You know what? That's what we do. We do the dandelion experience. Instead of getting down deep to the cause of the matter or to the root system, we just mow over it, pretend it goes away, and guess what? It'll come right back. you got to get to the root and not the dandelion experience and think it's not going to go away. Say, listen, even though it may hurt, and when you get to the root, you're going to take out and move out a lot of pain or, the, or, or something in your life. It's going to have to get to the root system, and it's going to leave a void in your life. But God will fill that void in which you get rid of. He'll fill it with his spirit, his joy, and his strength in your life. If you're willing to say, God, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to the root or the cause of the matter. And, God, what I give to you, you're going to replace with something new and something greater and something better. And that's what you got. Getting to the root is the way to demolish your arguments. Getting to the root. God, I'm going to get to the root. And when I get to the root, the argument's going to cease. Getting to the root is admitting there is a problem. 
getting to the root. I shared this story in the first service. You know, when I was going through my situation, I, I uh, man, I, I had to admit it. And yesterday when I was at a wedding in Wilmer, I had to do a wedding in Wilmer. And when I was there, uh, man, we were sitting across the street, uh, across the table with this friend of mine, Brock. And him and I were changing war stories. And Brock just came out of a rehab center and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And we were sharing war stories. And, man, we were back and forth, and he did coke, and we did this, and we did that. And, you know, we both came to a place that, you know what, we could not get better or get healed until we came to a place of admitting our problem. We had to admit that we had a problem. And once we admit I had a problem, guess what? Then I was on the road to recovery or healing. But you know what? Before I could admit it, man, I caused a lot of pain. I did a lot of things to my mom, my brother. I beat him up. I said a lot of things. Listen, a lot of times what you say is out of the hurt that's inside of you. And you will always speak hurt. You will always be that pit bull. You will always be that one that's angry. You will always be that one that's saying things that you shouldn't be saying if you never deal with your issues. Because that thing will always raise its ugly head. And you know what? What happens is you take out your words. You take out your thoughts. You take out the things you say, usually on the ones you love the most. And I didn't, man, I didn't realize I was doing that. And some of the things that I did, I didn't even realize I said to my brother, mom or did to my brother. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until I confronted it. And you can never get over your hurdle or your stronghold until you confront it by admitting I have a problem. And our problem is that you believe the lie and you got stinking thinking going on in your mind. And it's dictating your life instead of God dictating you by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit are going to be doing the things of the Spirit. And what happens, you're being led by the wrong Spirit. And it's leading you to the path of destruction. And you have to deal with it. Say, God, I got a problem. Man, my mind goes in areas it shouldn't go. I see this happen all the time, man. We got a mind that goes over to the other side of the fence. Man, it's a bed of roses over there. Man, the Joneses have it better over here. And you're like a car that's out of line. And once you start thinking that, you start leaning that way. Oh, she's a lot better than my wife, or he's a lot better than my husband, or my kids are like, man, worse than their kids. And we start leaning towards what we start thinking. And all of a sudden, those thoughts will make you do things that you shouldn't do. And what you have to do is you have to come to a place admitting and say, God, I got a problem. And I have to admit it to you, God, first and foremost, say, God, help me. Help me, God, to get over this. So what are some mind arguments? And I'm going to touch on some nerves here today. But these mind arguments that I'm going to share today are 40 years, Lisa, 40 years of experience of being in ministry. These are things that I hear people say day in and day out in my counseling sessions since being a youth pastor, kids pastor to where I am today. Mine arguments that you face. Number one, here's this. I had a bad childhood, so something must be wrong with me. I had a bad childhood, and so because I had a bad childhood, something must be wrong with me. I wouldn't have gone through this because my mom or dad, they're supposed to protect me, but these things happened in my life, and therefore I must be down that life, and I must be the same mom and dad like my mom and dad were to me, so I'm going to be that way to others. And I had a bad childhood, and so I got a bad deal of hand dealt to me. I always say this, you know what, if you're like in a poker game, you're going to get five cards. If you don't like some of the cards, dispatch them, get rid of them, get three new cards. you got to get rid of those things. 
If there's anyone that said they could have had a bad childhood, you're looking at them. But I had to make a choice. I can't let my three moms, my three fathers dictate my life or where I was going in my life. You have to make a choice. Listen, my mom, my dad made their path, but I'm going to make my own path. And so many times what happens, amen, amen, so many times what happens in our life, we, we look at our past and we look what we went through and we allow that to hold us back and we believe a lie because I had a bad childhood. Something must be wrong with me. Another one is this one. I always face rejection so nobody cares. You know, that is the biggest one. I face this all the time. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares. But what I'm going through in life, I always face rejection. So no one cares. You know what rejection does? Rejection isolates you. It makes you and it singles you out. It makes you become private and you become secluded. You become a hermit in your house. Your house becomes protecting for you and all by yourself, all alone. And guess what? The enemy loves to attack when you're all by yourself because we're two or three agree there he is in the midst of us. But if he can isolate you, if he can make you be secluded and make you feel rejection and pull away, guess what? He's going to pounce on you because you're all alone. And people say, I, man, I face rejection. No one cares. I hear this all the time. No one cares. No one loves me. Another one is this. I had a bad relationship experiences so I can never have friends or be a friend. You've been hurt by people, you've been hurt by friends, and therefore you're afraid to reach out again. You're afraid to become a friend to the friendless. You're afraid to be friendly because you've been rejected by friends. You never were invited by the parties when they had parties, and you never got invited. They never seemed to care. So you believe the lie. I must not be good enough. I must not be friendly enough. I must be this or that. And we label ourselves, and we are our own worst critic. And what you say your mind hears and what your mind hears, guess what? It gets into your heart. And out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. And sometimes what we do is we live out what's in the container of our heart. What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. And you start acting out what you're telling yourself. I'm not good enough to have friends. I never get invited. This one really hits a nerve. This one's really, <clears throat> it brings up a story. I deal with this one a lot, especially when I was a youth pastor. Check this one out. I must have done something to make them touch me that way. Can I be honest with you? This was one of the most deadliest lies that I've encountered as a youth pastor. Pastor Caleb, I feel for him. I remember when I was pastoring and being a youth pastor. And this young lady came into my office and my wife was there and she's crying. She said, if I wasn't wearing this dress or doing that, maybe I wouldn't have got touched that way. And she was in a prison of a lie. She was dying on the vine. Like maybe some of you. Maybe somebody defiled you and touched you and you believed the lie that you enticed him to do that. And so therefore you feel dirty and you feel worthless. You feel like shame because I, I can't do this. And that young lady in my office started crying, began to tell me who her attacker was and all these different things. And that day, that young lady, because she, Daniel, because she admitted it, 
she got rid of it. Man, God used her. And today, that young lady and her husband are in a thriving church. She's a pastor's wife, and they're tearing it up for God because God let and set her free. She didn't believe a lie that she enticed someone to do what happened to her life. And some of you have played that argument in your mind that I must have, I must have done this or I've done that that had that happen to me. Here's another one. My marriage didn't work out before, so why should it now? I see a lot of times marriages today, they're on a timeline. Blended marriages, blended families, divorces, getting remarried. Believe me, your pastor loves you. I don't care if you've been divorced or not divorced or been married, whatever, it doesn't matter. God's forgiven you, so we as a church have forgiven you. Somebody say amen. But you know what? Sometimes what people do, they take that into their new marriage. And what you take into your new marriage, whether it's good or bad, if it's dirty laundry, guess what? You're going to make that marriage, that, that relationship dirtier because you're taking your garbage into that relationship. And you know what garbage you're taking into your relationship? You believe the lie. I was rejected. He left me. She left me. We got a divorce. I got all this pain in my life. So therefore, guess what? I'm not any good. So if I get married, I'm not going to give my all to that person because, listen, I got hurt before you burned me once. You're not going to burn me twice. So you're not giving yourself fully to that individual because you believe the lie. And I see so many marriages that they're waiting for the shoe to fall. It happened before. Why should it happen now? So we got in our back of our mind, we're believing the lie, and the enemy's telling you, do you really believe this is going to work? Do you really believe this is going to work? In the first service, this lady came forward, man, was talking to one of our prayer people. And said, man, Pastor CJ, they came and told me afterwards, Pastor CJ, what you said, this lady said that she was living in that prison. Some of you may be living in that prison. You believe the lie that I, this marriage isn't going to work. This is just my, my standby, my, my fill-in until the shoe falls again. Let go of the lie. I love this. Remember, lies bind, truth frees. Take captive of every thought. Just as lies bind, truth binds the lie. No, I'm free indeed. And every time that lie starts to raise its ugly head, you start speaking the truth. And the truth encapsulates that lie. And it brings death to that lie. I don't receive that lie in my mind, body, soul, and spirit. I suffocate it till I eventually destroy it, demolish it, kill it in Jesus' name. I speak the word, and the word is truth, and the truth will set me free, and it kills the lies. Truth binds lies and holds back the arguments and settles the score, which sets you free. Truth reminds the arguments, the arguments that go on your mind. Am I worthy? Am I not? This, that, the other thing. Reminds the arguments and says, you're wrong. That's not true. That's wrong information. So get your facts straight. When that thing starts to come to you, you need to tell that lie, that argument that comes against your mind. You need to say, wait a minute. That's wrong. That's not true. That's wrong information. So you need to get your facts straight. So hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Come on. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
And what happens, that comes in. You need to remind that lie that that ain't true. What arguments are you battling in your mind right now? What are you battling right now? What are you taking authority over right now? Why are you afraid to confront it? Because you're afraid of the roar of that lie. You're afraid of maybe the pain it might bring. You know what? You may pray for the experience pain in uprooting, but joy and peace and strength will come back once you let it go. Your thoughts will control you, so you must control your thoughts by confronting them. You see, listen, you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. God, this is my problem. This is my argument. Stop punching the air. Run to your giant. Run to your enemy. Run to that lie and say enough is enough. Don't you know that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? That's not just talking physically. That's talking spiritually. That's talking over the lies, over the deception, over the confusion that comes to your mind. What are you afraid of? Listen, I always do this. and This is a little simple thing. No kidding. I got this memorized in me, but here's what I always say. You got to trace it. Trace it. Trace it. Where does it come from? Where does, where does this lie come? Once you trace it, then face it. Face it. Head on. Then erase it. Get rid of it. Throw it away. He's doing a new thing. And then replace it. Replace it with the joy of the Lord. Replace it. Ephesians, I don't have time to go there, but as I close, Ephesians 19 and 20, you can read for yourself, but the last two things. We have power to defeat the arguments of your mind. You have the power. Michael, you have the power when you're at work and when the enemy wants to come against you, make you feel tired and make you want to quit, make you wonder why you're doing this, make you wonder why. All these things that attack your mind, Rose, being alone by yourself, what's going on with my life, all the things that the enemy is trying to pump into you right now, Rose. You have the power to defeat the arguments of your mind by relying on the Word. McKenna, at your school, you have the power that when the enemy tries to come in and tries to defeat you and bring you down and get you discouraged about what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? This is what the Lord's telling me to tell you. Why am I doing this? Why am I going through this? I want to quit. I want to do something new. When you ever feel that urge, you need to raise up with the Word of God and say, I'm not receiving this in Jesus' name. I'm not accepting it. I'm more than a conqueror through my mind, body, soul, and spirit. What battle are you battling with right now? And you need to speak to that thing and say, enough is enough. You know the voice of your enemy, but does the enemy know your voice? Does he know your voice? Do you tell him, do you roar back at him and say, enough? I'm not receiving this in Jesus' name. I love this. Relying on his word, trusting his promises, and inviting him into your battle. Remember, you and God make a majority. Everything else is immaterial. Come on. Come on. God is good. Amen. Come on. Praise Him. God is good. Will you stand with me now? I know I went a couple minutes long. I'm a long-winded pastor, but I'll tell you one thing. I want you to get this in your mind and your spirit. Stephanie, what argument are you battling right now? 
You're all alone. You're a single mom. Are you going to make it? Yes, you are going to make it. Yes, you are going to make it. And you're special, Stephanie. You're not out of the ordinary. You're unique. You're one of a kind. Aren't you glad that God didn't roll out the cookie dough batter and all of a sudden take out a cookie cutter and make us all the same way? Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Rudolph, 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 Rudolph. No, he didn't do that. You are your own cookie cutter. You are your own individual. You are one of a kind. You are uniquely made, fearfully and wonderfully. And when God made you, he threw away the cookie cutter and he said, there's only one cookie like you. There's only one cookie like you. And you be who God called you, Deb, to be. Be that who God called you to be. I'm going to ask my altar workers to come. And every Sunday, if you need prayer, if you ever need prayer, these altar workers are going to be down here praying for you. But I'm going to close, and we're going to pray over you. And if you need prayer, if you need prayer, if you need prayer of any way, shape, or form, these people are here to pray with you. But let me pray over you right now. Can you do me a favor? Let's do that exercise. Come on. Put your hands on your head. Let's get rid of the stinking thinking today. Come on. Get rid of the stinking thinking. Come on. Put your hands on your head. Let's get rid of that stinking thinking. Father, this morning, we make a choice to get rid of the stinking thinking in our minds today. We come against the arguments of life that try to bring us down, defeat us, and discourage. We come against that in Jesus' name, and may the truth set us free. We rely on your word. We trust in you. We know that, God, you're going to pull us through. And, Lord, we know that our life will follow our thoughts, so our thoughts are fixed on you. And as we fix our thoughts on you, you're the author and the perfecter of our faith, and you will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. So, Father, touch your congregation. Touch these people. Bless them. And may they break off the strongholds of lies in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, if you need prayer this morning, if you need prayer this morning, I want you to... Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.